0: Hello and welcome to the School for CEOs Leadership Insights Podcast. Today's episode features Bill Sweeney, Chief Executive of the RFU, the Rugby Football Union. Bill has led an extremely successful career working for blue chip organisations, including senior roles at Adidas and Puma, and also Shell, Mars and Unilever. More recently, he was chief exec of the British Olympic Association. Bill joined the BOA in 2013, after a record-breaking London 2012 Olympic campaign. Team GB then became the first nation to win more medals in the cycle after hosting, when they finished second in the medal table in Rio under Bill's stewardship. He also oversaw Team GB's best-ever performances at two successive Winter Olympic Games in Sochi 2014 and Pyeongchang in 2018. He joined the RFU in May 2019, stating it was the only opportunity he'd have left the BOA for. The dream job. His first year in the job certainly hasn't been uneventful, with England finishing just short of the World Cup title in Japan last year and today he's fighting to keep the RFU in the best possible shape during the coronavirus pandemic. In this interview, Bill discusses how they're dealing with the pandemic, the opportunities and concerns it brings, and his personal approach to leading through lockdown. I'm Gemma Sowell, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. So in today's podcast we have guest speaker Bill Sweeney, Chief Executive of the Rugby Football Union. Welcome Bill.
1: Hi Gemma, good to, good to talk to you.
0: Typically in these webinars we are profiling the leaders, understanding what, what got them to where they are today and learning about some of their reflections from particularly poignant moments in their career. Um, it seems as though we're in the midst of one of those moments right now one of those career defining moments so Bill I'd love to talk to you about the coronavirus and about your leadership and what you're doing to take the rugby football union through that if that's okay with you
1: yeah that's fine I I think it's the word uh, the word unprecedented is is being used a lot at the moment probably overused at the moment but it's very true I don't think any of us have experienced or managed through a, a similar type of situation. So there are, there are learning, there are need to draw on resources that you maybe you didn't think you had. And there's, uh, there's, there's some really interesting observations that are happening at the moment.
0: So a lot of what's challenging people with the, with the virus is that there's a lot that we don't know. So dealing with the unknown, what, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with or prepare for something that you don't really, you can't predict or you don't really know what, what might happen. There's
1: a number of, uh, there's a number of old cliches that seem to be really coming to the fore at the moment. And um, I'm pretty sure they were just cliches, but only when they're tried and tested, do you, re- you realise they actually come in- into play. But uh, we-, we have a phrase that we're using uh, within the organisation ourselves, which we're saying, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And, uh, and that's just being able to live with the fact that a lot of things are unpredictable and if you expect everything to be predictable and expect a steady state in the current situation, it's not gonna happen. So you, you need to very, very quickly, uh, psychologically, personally, you need to embrace that and realize that we're going through a period of absolutely extraordinary and, and, and never seen before types of change and you almost have to relish it and take it on as a, uh, as a challenge. Uh, And and tied into that a little bit, I think, is is the expression that you hear a lot, which is control the things that you can control and not get distracted by the things that you can't. And it's very easy at the moment to go off down blind alleyways and cul-de-sacs and all sorts of places when you get concerned about things really that you realize you cannot have a great deal of influence over. So I think it's those two things, really being comfortable with the environment, embracing it, taking a positive spin on it, if that's possible. And, uh, and controlling the things that you know are going to make the biggest difference.
0: Many of the things you're talking about there remind me of uh, team talks I've had from netball coaches before matches and it seems like there's um, some of those analogies from the high performance sport environment are very much apl- applicable in this context. So do you think that your organisation are, are are adapting well to this right now?
1: I think they're adapting incredibly well. It's, um, I had an experience. I was, I, was, I was quite young at the time, and I was transferred from Asia to the U.S., and I was appointed as managing director of the, the subsidiary in the U.S., <clears throat> and it was going through a very difficult period, and we needed to lay off uh, 250 people in the first six months, which, was, which wasn't very pleasant. Um, a different scale of the challenge to this in many ways because that was pr- pr- probably pr- a little bit more orthodox and a bit more predictable, whereas this one isn't. And I can remember at one point a, um, uh, a, a, an elderly employee, old sage of the company came up to me, I think it was midnight in the office, and he said, how are you dealing with this? And I said, yeah, yeah, we're getting through it, we're on top of it, we're doing it. He said, um, he said, you know, when things are going well, you, you, you find out quite a bit about people, but when things are really tough and challenging, you find out everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's never felt more true to me than it is today. And um, the good news from our perspective is, There isn't one single person on the management executive team, the senior leadership group uh, in the organization that hasn't stepped up. They've really surprised me in terms of their ability to adapt quickly, to uh, stay upbeat, to stay focused, to maintain energy energy levels. And over the past, what is it now, two weeks or so, uh, I honestly don't think that they could have coped any better than they have done. So that's a real upside for us.
0: And uh, we, we hosted a webinar just today actually on the, the people leadership challenges and uh, optimism was a theme in that webinar about the importance of maintaining optimism and where you can. Because it will end and we need to be prepared to come out the other side and be really strong and uh, able to perform once, once we do have a grip of it.
1: You know, so optimism is critical. Um, and. Um and it it can't be false optimism. So so we continually reinforce the things that we believe that this crisis will enable us to change. There are challenges in the the game of rugby, not just domestically in England, but also internationally. And uh, when a a sport or when a system comes under this degree of intense pressure, the fault lines appear very quickly and you almost get the permission to address those and say, right, these things have to change if we're gonna emerge from this stronger so um, apart from the immediate challenges of how do we keep the business on track how do we make the changes necessary to to get through this initial phase of crisis management uh, we're also taking the opportunity to say okay what does the future look like and how can it be a much better stronger future and i do believe it's really important to to maintain that future vision picture it would be quite easy to get dragged down into the uh, concerns and the uncertainty around the unknowns and there are unknowns here because we, we don't know when this crisis is going to end which is unusual um, so there are unknowns but if you don't if you don't hold on to and continue to visualize that that future picture then I think you could, you could become quite uh, pessimistic
0: mm. and I'll ask you about the opportunity in a second but for you right now what is your biggest concern
1: there's two, two. Well, there's probably three concerns actually. One is one is the morale and the um, the well-being of of, of the organisation. So we've had to we've had to introduce some some very strict um, uh, measures in terms of cost savings, which you'd expect. Cash is everything at the moment, so we need to reduce our uh, our overheads and our costs as much as possible. We'll have a. 15 million pound uh, revenue swing, negative, obviously, uh, between now and the end of June, which is our financial year we're currently in. And then from then through to the end of the uh, the next financial year, that that will probably come to a total of between 45 and 50 million. So we're needing to make uh, cuts to, to our saving, uh, cuts to our cost in the immediate term to protect cash. That's happening. we have also instituted a uh, sliding scale rate of pay cuts uh, across the organisation, but none for for those people below thirty thousand pounds a year, and um, uh, and and we're introducing a few other other measures along with that. So, and the main reason we're doing that is to make sure that we can keep together as a family, as an Rfu family. Uh, we want to keep the the current job uh, profiles intact, and uh, and these are measures that we need to do enable to enable us to, to do that. So. Constant communication with the organisation, telling them what we're doing, being open and transparent, uh, is 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 a major is, is a major uh, prerogative for us to make sure that the, the staff feel that we're acting in their best interests. That's 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 the number one. Secondly, it's, it's it's purely the financial management of the business to make sure that we keep uh, going for as long as possible in these current circumstances, and we're doing everything we can to. Uh, to be ready in a position to reboot, when, as you say, things will get back a little bit more uh, regarding to normal. And the third one for us, which is maybe a little bit different than a lot of companies, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe brands have consumed. In our case, we have an extended uh, membership. We're a member of organisations. So how do we, how do we, together, whatever we possibly can, together to support the clubs through this difficult period? And some will be in better shape than others. Um, so they're the three, the three issues really. Um, our organisations, the financial management of the business and, uh, and how we're protecting the membership.
0: And what is the mood um, at the RFU within the family right now?
1: The mood's remarkably positive. You know, we have um, what we've done, which, which, which I think one of the learnings that's come out of this is we we put in place fairly quickly. Uh, a network of working groups across different topics of the business that we have to focus on, whether it's government relationships, whether it's cash flow management, whether it's communications, whatever. It's about 10 of those. So they meet on a uh, almost a daily basis. We have a morning executive team call. Uh, I sit in and listen in on some of those working group calls that are happening during the day. And they all seem to start off with a a little bit of banter for the first five minutes, you know, how are we, how are the families, what's going on, a few little jokes, Uh, what are people doing in the evenings with Zoom and and party and how are they keeping in contact with friends and family. And then we get into the serious business of the business. But I would say that the mood is really focused. Uh, Let's get this done. Let's make sure that um, when people come back and look at how we manage this in, in months to come, and we'll be judged by how that's gone and we've given the best we, we possibly can, so at this stage we're really into it what is it two weeks three weeks're um, we're, we're in pretty good shape
0: and th- this year was going to be um, a more challenging year financially for you anyway y- you aren't hosting as many uh, fixtures in the six nations or you weren't sh- expecting to host as many uh, fixtures so how has that affected you going into
1: this uh, current position? Uh, we we look at our financial projections over a four-year cycle, and whenever you have a World Cup year, as you said, um, it's 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 our toughest year because you have the costs of going to World Cup, and it just so happens that we only host two home Six Nations games in that year. So we were budgeting a loss in the first place anyway, and that financial year, as I said earlier, comes to a close at the end of June. Now, actually, we've been able to mitigate. A lot of the, um, the revenue reduction for this year with the savings plan that we put into place, so it will be a it will be a worse uh, uh, performance than we had budgeted, but will be within touching distance. Uh, and then the real challenge comes in next year, uh, when um, a lot of the events that would have taken place after June, such as the Barbarians game, the hbc Sevens tournament, the Army and Navy game, various other events at Twickenham, will just simply not take place and uh and that means that um, like uh, like any other rugby club or any other household or a hospitality business or a pub you've got no revenues coming in and you need to keep your costs down to an absolute minimum so the bigger challenge will probably come for us or will come for us in financial year 2020 21.
0: Mm-hmm. so there's an element of hunkering down at the moment what is the opportunity because you, you you've been talking in a very optimistic um...
1: yeah there's um people are getting very creative in a situation like this you realize that um uh, you realize that you have to get creative and you have to get innovative in terms of, of how you survive uh, not just the rfu but, but all of the membership clubs that we work with and some of the schemes and some of the initiatives that have been put into place have been, have been have been absolutely fantastic terrific i think coming out of this hard period and surviving through this hard period we'll be able to take some of those some of that attitude uh, and some of that fortitude into, into the seasons ahead. That's, that's one thing. Um, I believe that the levels of transparency, communications and interaction will go up as a result of getting through this uh, and we'll continue that when we come out the other end. Um, I think the awareness and understanding of each other's businesses and how we function operate will increase, which is always a good thing. That would be good. I think there's a massive opportunity around some big parts of the game in terms of the calendar, how the country game works with the club game, how we make that uh, more seamless, uh, how we smooth that out, how do we cooperate and work in a collaborative manner to maximize the revenue opportunities for the game as a whole, as opposed to looking at it from uh, an individual stakeholders point of view. I think that will happen and that's got to be good. uh, That's got to be good for all of us. So um, I do, I do see some real positives coming out of this.
0: And there's elements of um, helping you work together more cohesively as a team and also improving, improving the game as a whole. So going back to the team, um, how, how are you, you, you mentioned the working groups that you've set up and you also said at the very beginning that they've really stepped up. So can you describe a little bit about how, how you've drawn on your team for support?
1: Yeah, massively. Um... I think we're all we all draw up on each other at the moment. There are there are some you'll see in a particular day there'll be um an excessive demand on, on, on one of the functions. It might be on the person who's running the community game and is dealing with the clubs and is, is needing to get new communications out there. It might be the communications team who are dealing with the media and and uh and a list of queries and questions. It might be HR having to implement all sorts of programs that are relatively new and untested. So uh, it's almost like the the team has worked really well together, and they've almost developed a sixth sense now, where you know who's under the most pressure at any given time, and we tend to rally around and support that group. Um, So if we were close before this crisis happened, then coming out of it, we're going to be even closer still, and I feel that we we'd feel capable we could take anything on
0: before your role at the rfu you were chief executive of team gb the british olympic association so uh, i'm really interested to hear your perspective about tokyo and uh, tokyo 2021 and what the impact will be of rescheduling or pushing that back perhaps we could talk about the impact on athletes first
1: yeah so so we're pretty close in, in an athlete's journey Where are we now? We're uh, we're coming up into April and the games were scheduled for July of this year. They'll be July next year now. So from an athlete's preparation point of view, they're in an advanced state of readiness in terms of delivering at their peak uh, for for July, August this year. So they will now have to recalibrate. They'll have to think, right, emotionally, psychologically, physically, everything. I've got to rephase my entire training program to be able to deliver the best performances I possibly can against the best competition in the world. So they'll be working through now with their coaches, with their families, whatever, how do I reset and how do I get myself ready to compete at my very best in July of next year? So that will be a challenge. Um, VOA themselves uh, will have to um, look at all of their plans that were in place in terms of the athletes uh, preparation camps, in terms of the support profiles, in terms of the support programs they had in place for them. They'll have to discuss, rediscuss uh, with all of those institutions, all of those bodies, all of those organizations they were dealing with in Tokyo and Japan, uh, wider Japan to, to make sure they're still available through to next year. Uh, I'm not sure what the situation on that will be. They'll have uh, the BOA relies very heavily on the, on the support of some great sponsors and partners. And of course, this will be different to what they were planning. So the contracts, uh, may have been extended or they may not have run through to next year so I'm sure they'll be in, in sort of a lot of detailed conversations with them about ongoing support so I can imagine they are absolutely up to their eyes in it as well um, it's good that there's some certainty around it now though, and, and the fact that the games have been moved to next year so if they can plan now it's, it's going to be July uh, 21 now and I'm sure they'll get, they'll get some degree of satisfaction out of that. Mm.
0: And from a performance level obviously you trained to peak uh, for the Olympics, it's the, the major event in an athlete's calendar. So, do you think overall uh, the performance of athletes at the next games will be hindered by that recalibration?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think um, I think had they gone into this games, uh, sorry, if, if they gone into the games this year, then perhaps because uh, training facilities have been impacted, um, the ability to train at the same level has been impacted by by, uh, by the crisis. Um, I discussed that with some of the, the England rugby players the other day as well and, and the impact it's having on them. So for them to have been in peak condition to go into July and let's just assume, let's assume that this had cleared by very optimistically end of May or middle of June, then uh, that would have had a, a more detrimental impact. I think now they've just got to rephase their their trajectory and their profiles going into into next year and I think they'll be they'll be able to peak uh, in, in July of
0: 21. Mm. And what about the impact on Tokyo? You spent quite a bit of time there with England Rugby last year. Um, what is the impact for a host nation?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's a massive undertaking. You know, when, you, when, you, when a city um, mobilises for an Olympic Games, they do say that the only other event which compares in terms of scale and disruption and whatever is, is going to war. So, uh, and I, I lived in Tokyo for three years, we've got very good Relationships, a lot of bodies in, in Japan, more so now. Even coming out of the World Cup in 2019, um, in some ways, you probably couldn't have a better country for it to happen to because they're so resilient and they are able to bounce back from all sorts of adversity. And they will bounce back from this. Uh, the the facilities they have in place already, the, the state of readiness that, that's there, that'll hold them in good stead going into next year. Uh, the countries, I think, it's got the highest degree of positive feeling towards hosting a games. Um, and I can only see that being enhanced with the extra year to Um So in many respects, I think if you had to pick one single country around the world who's able to deal with this delay for 12 months, it would, it would probably be Tokyo and Japan.
0: I'd like to ask you about the aftermath, because as we were talking about at the beginning, a lot of the focus is on getting through the crisis and uh, dealing with what's, on our, what's in front of us right now. but what can leaders do to limit the hangover for businesses uh, afterwards when we pull through this
1: Uh, we've got we've we've looked at various different phases and we think we're in phase one at the moment which is the immediate crisis management piece and getting a plan in place and and making sure the communications are right making sure the interactions are right making sure we can make the right decisions in a timely manner and, and we're in that phase now probably phase four is is reboot and making sure that we're in a position to Uh, get back to normality as quickly as possible and what does that mean Um, and and we do have, with the initial stages of that we're probably up 50% there in terms of what that looks like Uh, but that's critical I mean just a very small point we think that um, we're working on the assumption that life gets back to to some degree of normality through uh, summer and, and leading into autumn. So, uh, how do we reconnect with all the players? How do we make sure that players uh, that, that were involved in rugby and administrators in rugby don't just leave the game now because of this extended break? So, how do we reconnect with them? Um, assets? Can we use for that? Uh, England players, what other assets do we have in the RFU to make sure that we can we can make that connection and make sure it uh, it, it carries forward for us. Um, so, I do think it's important, even though we're still at this very early phase, to have a kind of vision or some kind of idea about how we're going to emerge
0: from this and what that will look like. And, Bill, throughout any crisis, crisis management, there's a lot of pressure on you as a leader and it sounds as though, for one, you're using your team and really getting the best out of them to help share some of that burden but how are you doing in all of this and how are you uh, making sure you're staying sane?
1: Um, I think a few things to that one. I mean, one again, when, when you're working in sport, and for me, working in rugby, which is my passion as well, then um, it, it, it never was a job. It was always a it was always a way of life, as opposed to a job. So I look on this now as being a unique moment that's occurred in in the history of the game, and also for the RFU. So I I feel a um, an accountability to be the best that I can possibly be. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to go down. I don't want to be remembered as a person who. Who made a bad situation worse so from that perspective i'm i'm highly motivated which, which is a good thing i think there are some very practical issues as well like when you're locked up at home and um and if you're used to if you're used to some kind of regular physical regime you've got to keep the physicality up mm-hmm. so um uh, your physical well-being in a situation like this i think is critical and it's, it's it's more important than ever not to give up on that one hour hour and a half whatever it is uh, of, of physical exercise a day to keep your, your your mind alert and fresh and and energized, so that's important. I think nutrition uh, is critical. Very easy when you're sitting at home just to pick at things and whatever. So you've got to keep a, a fairly strict regime in place there again for the same reason as as the exercise piece. So from that perspective, I think I just think it's important to have a a, a routine and a rigor that that is is individual to each person, and you stick to that, and you realise you're going through a a period that's going to test you in many ways and you want to make sure you come out of it with with the right result.
0: Bill, thank you.
1: Thanks very much, Gemma. Good to talk to you and and look after yourself and stay healthy and uh, look forward to seeing you again when times are a bit more normal.
0: You've been listening to the School for CEOs Leadership Insights Podcast with host Gemma Sowell and guest speaker Bill Sweeney. Every time I speak to Bill, I'm struck by his gravitas, but also his kindness. He values people, and he's quick to give credit to his team. He also carries the principles that elite athletes would in competition. Control the controllables, be optimistic, but realistic, and have self-discipline to do the things that will enable you to perform at your best. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to hear other episodes, you can find our podcast through our website, www.schoolforceos.com forward slash thought hyphen leadership. It's also available on Spotify or Apple podcasts. Just search for School for CEOs Leadership Insights. Thanks for listening and see you soon.